Good morning, church family, and a happy new year to you all. 2020 is gone. Finally, we made it, for it is now 2021. Congratulations. Joking aside, as we pass from month to month, season to season, and year to year, it is a reminder for the Christian that our God, that he is the creator of all, the sustainer of all, and that he is faithful. Thus, just as 2020 was the year of the Lord, so too is 2021. As Jesus Christ, he is still on the throne, still reigning, still caring for his people, still God, and still good. Therefore, as his people, whether it be 2020 or 2021, we have so much to be joyful and thankful for. For at the end of the age, whether that be today, tomorrow, or another thousand years from now, Jesus Christ will absolutely, positively, and surely come again for his bride, the church. So again, happy new year to you all, church. For our God, he is faithful and he is good. With that being said, our text this morning comes from 1 John chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. Now, if you can remember all the way back to three weeks ago, we actually started the second section of 1 John. And we were introduced to the second theme of his epistle, that being the theme of love. And John introduced this theme of love to his readers quite clearly. As he wrote in chapter 3, verse 11, For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. And as John has done throughout his epistle, he accentuated his point that we as Christians are to love one another by contrasting it with that which is evil, or with the ways of the world, or those who find it natural to hate. Now why does the world find it so natural to hate? Well, as John previously explained, the prototype, or the portrait, or the model in which the world follows is that of Cain who was of the evil one and who naturally hated and murdered his brother, verse 12. Therefore, since the world possesses the same nature as Cain, they too then are going to naturally hate others. And thus John writes in verse 15 that everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in them. Meaning that just as it is safe to assume that the individual who goes around killing people is not a Christian, so too is it safe to assume that the individual who goes around the church hating God's people isn't a Christian either. Because, verse 14, we know that we have passed out of death into life. We know that we have gone from being dead in our sins to alive in Jesus Christ because of our love for each other. Thus, John continues to build on this concept of love today by telling his Christian readers exactly how they are to love each other. Which brings us to our thesis statement this morning, or the main theme of our sermon this morning, which is this. Christian, talk is cheap. Thus, let us follow the example of Christ and love each other in deed and in truth. Again, our thesis statement this morning is this, Christian talk is cheap. Thus, let us follow the example of Christ and love each other in deed and in truth. And again, our text this morning is 1 John chapter 3, and we'll be in verses 16 through 18. 
which can be found in your pew Bible, which is located in the row in front of you on page 1022. Thus, let me encourage everyone here today to follow along with the text as we work our way through 1 John chapter 3, verses 16 through 18, together as a church body. Again, 1 John chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. The Apostle John, he writes, By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, let us love each other not in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Father, fix these words to our minds this morning and above all else to our heart. Father, it is my prayer that we be a church who love each other truly, sincerely, and genuinely. Indeed, motivated because we have been loved by you, God. For we have a God who came into this world and bore the the punishment that we deserve as a sacrifice for us. Father, let this knowledge that we have in the perfect life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ motivate us to love each other truly indeed. Father, I pray that you give me the words to speak this morning. I pray that they be graceful and loving, humble, full of conviction, but above all else, that they represent the truth of your word faithfully this morning. Father, I pray that you open the eyes and the ears of these dear congregants. Soften their hearts this morning. And where we have turned our back and hardened our heart to loving each other, make it apparent to us this morning, Father. Convict us of it this morning. And let us seek to love each other more faithfully indeed as we glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen. Our first of two points this morning, church, is this. Point number one. Christian, we know the love of Christ. Thus, let us love each other as Christ loved us. Christian, we know the love of Christ. Thus, let us love each other as Christ loved us. Verse 16, which says, By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. Now, as I previously mentioned, we know that the world is the world because they hate, because they follow in the footsteps of Cain, who was of the evil one and who murdered his brother. And we as Christians know that we aren't to hate. We aren't to be like the world or follow in the footsteps of Cain, but instead we are to love. Thus John doesn't leave his Christian readers here out to dry, forcing them to guess or to speculate what love is. And John, instead, John gives his readers the definition of what, of what love is in verse 16. For he says, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. Now it doesn't take a New Testament scholar to figure out what John is talking about here. For John is talking about Jesus Christ. 
Thus, if you, brother Christian, if you, sister Christian, want love defined for you, John says, then don't go looking to Cupid. Don't go looking to mushy middle school love. Don't go looking to selfish love where you get out of it what you want. Don't go looking to self-love where you put yourself first. Instead, if you want to know and see and understand the true essence of love, then look to Jesus Christ, the one who laid down his life for us. For that is love. And that while we were still sinners, Jesus Christ, he died for us, Romans 5, 8. And he gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Ephesians 5 2. For Christ, the good shepherd, he laid down his life for his sheep. For that is love exemplified, church. Therefore, the only way one can truly know love and grasp it and understand it, to know this sacrificial and selfless love, it is to know Jesus Christ. Not Cain, not the ways of the world, because Cain, he was of the evil one. He hated and he literally took the life of his brother. Whereas Jesus Christ, he is the son of God and he loved and he literally gave his life as a ransom for many. Thus the chasm between the evil and the hatred and the life-taking ways of Cain, they could not be further from the goodness and the love and the life-giving ways of Jesus Christ. The one who was without sin and yet who willingly bore the wrath that mankind deserved for their sin. And here is the crazy thing, church. During his redemptive love, his redemptive work on the cross, Jesus Christ, he did not whine, he did not complain, he did not say that's not fair and that these sinful people should bear their own punishment. No, instead, Jesus Christ, he just lovingly redeemed a people through his blood, forgave a people of their trespasses, clothed the people in his righteousness, and blessed a people with every spiritual blessing. And he did this on a cross at Calvary, for it is only at the cross where Jesus Christ sacrificially, selflessly, and magnanimously laid down his life for us so that we as sinners could be saved from the wrath that we deserve and reconciled back to God the Father forever and ever. Oh, for greater love has no one than this church that someone laid down his life for his friends. Amen, church. However, church, and I want to make this next point crystal clear, the love of Jesus Christ, the love that Christ exhibited and exemplified and displayed to the world via his redemptive work on the cross, as profound as it may be, this type of love isn't just some academic subject for us as Christians to study. Or as John Stott put it, this type of love isn't just revelation that we should admire and approve. But this type of love, church, it is also the example that we as Christians must follow. So please see the nuance here, church. Yes, we want to study, and yes, we want to know and have a deeper understanding of the love of Jesus Christ and his substitutionary atonement and double imputation, our sin for his righteousness. For those are brilliant and beautiful theological phrases. And yes, we want to admire and revere and praise Christ publicly and privately for the love in which he showed us. And that while we were still sinners, he loved us and died for us. So yes, praise his mercy and grace. 
However, our knowledge of Christ's love and our admiration for Christ's love, it should also naturally then cause us as Christians to willingly follow the example of Christ's love. In essence, verse 16, we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. Meaning that we as Christians who know the love of Jesus Christ, who admire the love of Jesus Christ, and who have been changed eternally by the sacrificial work of Jesus Christ, we too then are to love each other in the same way that Christ loved us. Genuinely, sacrificially, and selflessly. And if need be, willingly lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters in Christ. I read an article this week from Today in the World, published in 1992. It read, Boarding the SS Dorchester on a dreary winter day in 1943 were 903 troops and four chaplains, which included a Methodist minister named Lieutenant George Fox. World War II was in full swing, and the ship was headed across the icy North Atlantic, where German U-boats lurked. At 12 o'clock on the morning of February 3rd, a German torpedo ripped into the ship. She's going down, the men cried, scrambling for lifeboats. A young GI crept out to one of the chaplains. I've lost my life jacket, he said. Take this, the chaplain said, handing the soldier his jacket. Before the ship sank, each chaplain had given his life jacket to another man. The heroic chaplains then linked arms and lifted their voices in prayer as the Dorchester went down. Lieutenant Fox and his fellow pastors were all awarded post-death the Distinguished Service Cross. Church as Christians, how far should the love of Jesus Christ compel us to go in loving each other? As Simon Kissmaker explained, when the honor of God's name the advancement of his church and the need of his people demand that we love our brothers, we ought to show our love at all costs, even to the point of risking and losing our lives. Quite simply, church, and never forget this, to live is Christ. But to die for Christ, to lay down our lives for the brothers for Christ's sake, oh, that is most assuredly gain. For to live is Christ's church, but to die for the Christian, it is gain. However, John knows that most Christians will not be put into a circumstance or into a situation where they will have to lay down their lives for their brothers. Nevertheless, that does not mean that all Christians aren't still called to love their brothers and love their sisters just as Christ loved them. Which brings us to point number two. Christian, do not just tell your brother or your sister in Christ you love them, but show them in deed and in truth. Christian, do not just tell your brother or sister in Christ you love them, but show them in deed and in truth. Verses 17 and 18. It says, But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Now again, John understands that not every Christian will be put in a situation where they will have to give up their life for their brother or sister in Christ. 
However, just as Jesus Christ loved us and that he gave his life up for us, so too then are we as Christians to love each other in a way that we be willing, if need be, to give up that which is of the most value to us. Thus John writes in verse 17 that if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Meaning that if anyone has the world's goods, the world's possessions, things like food or water, clothing or shelter, not if anyone is rich with the world's goods, not if anyone is plentiful with the world's goods, not if anyone is abundant with the world's goods. John is not saying that. For verse 17 merely says, if anyone has the world's goods and sees their brother in need, meaning they see their brother has been laid off and is now struggling to feed his family. They see that their sister has lost her house and now doesn't have a place to stay. They see a family that can't afford to fix their hot water heater, buy winter jackets for their kids, or put a meal on the table. If anyone has the world's goods and sees them and ignores them and neglects them and closes their very heart toward them, how is it possible then, verse 18, that God's love abides in them? And the only conclusion that the Apostle John can come up with here is that it doesn't. For those who have the world's goods in their possession, at their disposal, things like money and a job and a house and a bed and food on the table, but they neglect those in need and just keep all their possessions all to themselves, John says that just proves they do not love God. For they are still of the world, still of Cain, and simply do not have the love of God abiding in them. And we meet a man who illustrated this lack of love clearly in Luke 16. And church, it did not end well for him. As Luke 16 reads, there was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously, lavishly every day. And at his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus covered with sores who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. Now the poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side, to heaven. The rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, in hell, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, remember that you in your lifetime received your good things and Lazarus in like manner bad things. But now he is comforted here and you in anguish. Now, church, as I shared three weeks ago, no one is saved because they give food to the hungry. No one is saved because they give drink to the thirsty or clothes to the naked or shelter to the poor. However, our Christ-like, sacrificial, genuine love for each other, it proves that we are no longer of Cain. It proves that we have passed out of death into life and that God's love now abides in us. And thus the apostle writes in verse 18 to his Christian readers who have the love of God abiding in them. He says, little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. 
I read a study this week out of the University of Arizona, which found that on average, an adult female says approximately 16,215 words a day. An adult male says on average 15,669 words a day. So on average, an adult speaks about 16,000 words a day. In essence, we talk a lot. Therefore, it is not shocking that at times we say things that we don't really mean. Thus comes the phrase, talk is cheap. Therefore, John tells his Christian readers, don't be like those people. Don't be like those people who see their brother and their sister in need and say to them, oh, we love you and we care about you and how we will do anything and everything for you in your time of need, blah, blah, blah. And then when push comes to shove, it's just a bunch of gobble, gobble turkey for they don't walk the walk and they do not back it up. And thus John says, do not be like these people who say they love others, but in reality, It is just in word and talk. But instead, let us as the children of God be a people who love each other in deed and in truth. Let us as the children of God be a people who love each other in deed and in truth. Now, what exactly does that mean to love in deed and in truth? Well, the late Reverend Herbert Vanderlutt He told this story about a young Christian couple who had an elderly widow as their neighbor. But unfortunately, she did not have any friends or family that lived close by. Thus, the young couple would often invite her over to their house for dinner. However, on one snowy afternoon, the wife saw the elderly widow head to the city dump, pulling a small trailer. Thus, when dusk arrived and she had not yet returned home, the husband became concerned and set out to look for her. And he eventually found her near a pile of debris, sitting on her trailer, head down, oblivious to the snow, a real picture of despondency and dejection. So he touched her on the shoulder, and he called her by name. And with a startle, she looked up and said in disbelief, You are God's answer to my prayer. I just told him how I was here all alone and that nobody in the world cared about me. And here you are. You showed up showing me that you truly cared. The man gently gave her a hug, led her home where she rested, and then joined the couple for dinner that evening. For that is loving someone in deed and in truth. Church, to love in deed is to love with action. It is to love with effort. It is to love with activity. To love someone indeed is to sacrifice that iPad that you really want and to instead buy gift cards for a family who can't purchase Christmas gifts for their children this year. To love someone indeed is to not ignore your brother who says that they can no longer shovel the driveway, but to instead just show up unannounced and shovel it for him. To love someone indeed is to visit those in the church who are sick, to call those in the church who are shut in, to have dinner with those who are lonely, coffee with those who are depressed, and to give sacrificially to those who are in need. For that is the mark of the Christian. Not just to talk the talk, but to let Let our love be played out in how we walk the walk. For our love, church, it must be active. It must be alive, intentional, and tangible. Not just in word, but displayed in our deeds toward each other. And John says that our love must also be in truth. 
And by here, he means that our motivation, our desire, the reason in which we love each other indeed, isn't so that we can get something out of it, isn't so that someone will owe us a favor, isn't so that we can post about it on social media and tell everyone how great we are. For if that is your motivation, church, it is a selfish motivation. It is a man-centered motivation, a man-glorifying motivation, and it is not the way of Christ. For Christ loved without expecting anything in return. Thus, to follow the example of Christ is to love each other in a way that is genuine, seeking the best for others, even if that means a significant sacrifice on your part. And you do it without expecting anything in return. Nothing from the person you helped, not a pat on the back, not a post about you on social media, or an article written about you in the newspaper. But you know what? You do it anyway, because you know that true love, it consists in this. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. For that must be Christian. The drive, the motivation, the reason, and the root as to why we love each other. For we now grasp, Christian, the genuine love of God. In that while we were still his enemy and rejected him and did not honor him, he sacrificially died for us and loved us first. Thus, as we close this morning, I'd like to begin with the non-Christian who is here first. Non-Christian John wrote in verse 16, By this we know love, that he, Jesus Christ, laid down his life for us. However, we are living in a world, living at a time that says we know love by how someone makes us feel. That we know love by how someone accepts us for who we are. That we know love through our sexual exploration, through self-love, self-esteem, and self-confidence. And yet John would call all of that foolishness, absurd, and tomfoolery. For John is very precise very black and white in his definition of love here. Meaning, as David Garland put it, to know love, according to John, is to experience the divine love and the divine forgiveness of God himself, which comes only through placing your trust in the accomplishment of Jesus Christ, the one who is truly God, but who came into this world as truly man in order to save his people from their sin. And non-Christian, how did Jesus Christ do this? Well, first he had to live the life that we could not live. A life that was free from sin, free from transgression, and free from evil. Meaning that Jesus Christ had to fulfill the law of God perfectly for a people who simply could not. But that's not all that Jesus Christ did, non-Christian. Because being that we could not keep the law, Jesus Christ also paid the price for our breaking of the law. Meaning that Jesus Christ also bore our punishment and the wrath and the penalty that we deserve for our sin. And how did he do that? Well, he willingly gave himself up for us as a perfect and spotless and sinless sacrifice. As he was crucified on a cross, literally dying a sinner's death on our behalf. The sinless son of God dying in the place of sinful, fallen, depraved man. 
However, Jesus Christ, he was the perfect sacrifice, for he was the Lamb of God who was slain. And his sacrifice, it appeased the wrath of God the Father toward the sins of his children. And thus, three days later, Jesus Christ, he was raised for our justification, for he rose from the dead and he defeated sin and defeated death through eternity and made the only way for sinful man to be reconciled back to a holy Holy God forever. For that is love exemplified, non-Christian, that Jesus Christ died the death that you deserved and clothed you in a righteousness that is not your own, all so that you could be saved from your sin. Thus, let today be the day, non-Christian, that you turn from your sin. Let today be the day that you repent of your sin and you place your trust in Jesus Christ and in Christ alone as the only one who can forgive you of your sin, as the only one who paid the price of your sin, as the only one who died for your sin can clothe you in his perfect life and reconcile you back to God forever. And today will be the day that you will finally know and taste and see the sacrificial love of God. A love in that while you were still weak, at your worst, dead in your sin, Christ died for you so that you could be given a new life. Thus, non-Christian, place your trust in Jesus' perfect life, death, and resurrection this morning as the only means of salvation. Call on his name for the forgiveness of your sins. And today will be the day, non-Christian, that you will be forgiven and saved and redeemed, reconciled back into fellowship with your creator God now and forevermore. And to the Christian who is here today, during my first couple months here at Faith Bible Fellowship Church, I met with an individual concerning a somewhat controversial topic amongst Christians. Now, the individual I met with, he did not attend here, but he reached out to me looking to get a fresh perspective, if you will. So we met for about two hours, and I listened to him, and I tried to be very gracious. And at the end of our conversation, I shared with him that I thought there was some Christian liberty on the topic that we were discussing. However, I pressed him lovingly on Romans 14. That for the sake of his brothers and for the sake of his sisters in Christ, he is to love them. He is to make sacrifices for them and to not put a stumbling block or a hindrance in front of them that could cause them to sin or stumble. And I'll never forget this because he looked at me just shaking his head and saying, No, 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 I can't do that because then I won't be true to myself. And it took everything in me, church, not to jump out of my seat and yell at him at the top of my lungs. But that is the gospel. That if anyone wants to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For that is the Christian life. It is dying to oneself. For what did Jesus do, Christian? He laid down his life for us. And thus, what are we called to do? Not live to self, not promote the self, not magnify the self, but to be willing to put our preferences aside and love each other in a way that puts our brother's best interest in mind and not our own. But church, this is completely counter to what we are seeing throughout evangelical America today. 
I mean, we are living at a time where it seems more popular, more fashionable, more in vogue for Christians to run home to their keyboards, get on their computers, and fight other Christians about their preferences than it is to invite a member of the church over for dinner, or to call a member of the church who is depressed, or go visit a member of the church who is sick. As if you leave here with anything this morning, Christian, let it be this. Be willing to die to self. Be willing to die to your own preferences, die to your own money, die to your own goods, your own pride, and your ego. Because we have a God, Christian, who died for us. And that while we were still weak and still dead in our sin. Thus, let me lovingly challenge you this morning with this, Christian. Think deeply this year. Think deeply in 2021 how you can grow in setting your preferences aside and do a better job loving your brothers and sisters in Christ in deed and in truth here at Faith Bible Fellowship Church. I mean, if you really want to make a God-centered New Year's resolution for 2021, make it not about growing in power or in money or in status. Make it not about getting that promotion or that new title or that new job. Make it not about showing everyone how you are the best and the brightest and always right. But instead, make your New Year's resolution for 2021 be about growing and loving others with brotherly affection. Make it about carrying the burdens of others and thus fulfilling the law of Christ. Make it about counting others more significant than yourself here at Faith Bible Fellowship Church. You do that, Christian, and not only will God be glorified by your actions, but you, brother Christian, you, sister Christian, you will know that God's love, that it truly abides in you. Thus it is my prayer that we as a church body love each other in a way that is pleasing to God. For we have received the revelation of Jesus Christ, the one who laid down his life for us. Thus let us be a people who because we know Jesus Christ and adore Jesus Christ, that we too then seek to follow his example and love in deed and in truth. Thus open our eyes, Lord, to the ways we can be active in our love. Open our eyes to the ways that we can work out our love, sacrificing our own desires and preferences, all to build up our brothers and sisters in Christ. For a friend, he loves at all times, and a brother, he is born for a time of adversity. Thus, let us be quick to love each other in our times of adversity, quick to serve each other in our times of need, and quick to sacrifice for each other in order to keep the bond of unity and peace. And through our service and sacrificial love for each other, it is our desire that God be glorified. Oh, to God be the glory forever and ever, for it is our God, church, who loved us first. Let's pray. Father, we can't even fathom the love you have for us. But you have revealed it to us in the person, in the work of Jesus Christ. For we have been redeemed through Jesus' accomplishment on the cross at Calvary. We have been loved when we did not deserve to be loved. And thus we will know, and the world will know, that we are Christians by our love for each other. And you have called us, Father, though, not just to tell each other we love each other, but to show it in deed and in truth. 
Father, there are so many opportunities within this church body for us to love each other. There are so many opportunities at home with our neighbors, with the people we work with, to love them and to show them the supernatural love of Jesus Christ. Father, we have a heart that has been changed supernaturally by you. Give us eyes to see those opportunities and feet to walk in those opportunities. To show the love of Christ and share the love of Christ as we serve each other and serve this world. In Jesus' name, amen. It is the practice here at Faith Bible Fellowship Church to partake in the Lord's Supper during the first Sunday of every month. Communion Church is a time where we as a church body testify our faith in the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ to each other. It is a time where we literally get to preach the gospel to each other. Communion is also a time that we remember the perfect life, death, and resurrection of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And it is also, church, a time that we celebrate. We celebrate that by faith in Jesus Christ, our salvation is secure and that Christ will return again for his bride, the church. We here at Faith Bible Fellowship Church practice what is called open communion. Thus, we invite all believers of the gospel of Jesus Christ to partake this morning. So if you are walking in fellowship with God and with other believers, you are welcome to join us at the Lord's table today. However, we would ask you to abstain if you are an unbeliever. To the non-Christian that is here this morning, first off, welcome. And we pray that via the teaching and preaching of God's word and that hearing the gospel this morning, that today would be the day that you come to faith in Jesus Christ. And if you have any questions about the gospel or about Christ being the only means of salvation, please see me after the service. I will be at the door in the back and would love to chat with you. But if you are an unbeliever at this time, we would ask you to abstain from communion this morning. We would also ask you to abstain if you are a believer who is at this time holding fast to a known sin. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 27 and 28 says, We are not to take communion in an unworthy manner, but we are to examine ourselves before taking part in the Lord's Supper. So if you are walking in unrepentant sin, we would ask you to confess and seek forgiveness of your sin before partaking in communion with us. We will again this morning be using the communion cups, which are located in the chair in front of you. So at this time, I will ask all of those who will be joining us at the Lord's table to grab a communion cup and take a couple moments to prepare your hearts and your minds for the Lord's Supper.
this time, church, let's peel back the first seal of the communion cup and receive the bread. For I receive from the Lord what I also deliver to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, broke it. It said, this bread is my body, broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. this time, church, let's peel back the second seal and receive the cup. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as we eat the bread and drink the cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, how good it is on the first Sunday of the new year, 2021, the year of our Lord, to partake in the Lord's Supper. We are reminded in the here and now that we have been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ called to love each other in deed and in truth. But as we leave here today, we leave here as victors, celebrating the fact that our Savior, Jesus Christ, he will come again for his bride, the church. Let us be faithful until that day, by keeping our eyes fixed on eternal glory, which is found only in Christ and in Christ alone. Amen. At this time, let's stand, church, as we close in song. Take my life. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. Take my moments and my days, let them flow in ceaseless praise. Take my hands and let them move at the impulse of thy love. Take my feet and let them be swift and beautiful for thee. Take my voice. Take my voice and let me sing always only for my King. Take my lips and let them be filled with messages from Thee. Take my silver and my gold not a mite would I withhold. Take my intellect and use every power as you choose. Here am I.
Take my will and make it thine It shall be no longer mine Take my heart, it is thine own It shall be thy royal throne Take my love, my Lord, I pour At your feet it's treasure store Take myself and I will be Ever only all for thee Here am I Here am I All of me into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Go in peace, church. Go in peace.